Hi, my name is Denijah Cooper, and today on my first podcast, I will be talking about the brief history prior to the Middle Ages to help you get a clear understanding of the events that took place leading up to the role of women in the Middle Ages. That would include how those women were treated in their daily lives by men and why status in society really mattered. I will also be speaking on my opinions on why a woman's way of living back then was unfair and comparing middle age history to today's modern world of living in society. Hopefully by the end of this you'll have learned a little bit of something new about the middle ages and how the role of women differed from today. Now with all that being said, welcome to my podcast and let's get started. Before the Middle Ages, there was a culture-changing period taking place known as the Renaissance. The Renaissance was an important event in European history that stretched from the 14th century to the 17th century. It was introduced by the Middle Ages and in ancient Rome and eventually led to the major events of the Age of Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was known for its numerous books, essays, inventions, scientific discoveries, laws, wars, and revolutions. The American and French revolutions were examples of revolutions that were directly inspired by the Enlightenment ideals and respectively marked the peak of its influence and the beginning of its decline. However, The Renaissance was important in that era because it had led to a major shift in the change of the Europeans' worldview. That shift had later led to the developments of the Enlightenment and set the stage for the modern Western worldview. The main ideas of the movement had eventually spread all throughout Europe by the 16th century where the most significant changes had emerged as a result of the Renaissance. Some of those changes included and were included in European architecture, art, literature, mathematics, music, philosophy, politics, religion, and even in their science. The Renaissance had sparked new culture leading up to the Middle Ages and gave people something to be interested in leading into the Middle Ages. Um, The Middle Ages started after the end of the Roman civilization and the starting period of the Renaissance, basically around the time where men had a lot more power over the world especially when it came down to what decisions were being made, whether it was for themselves or maybe their wives. During this time period, women's lives were determined by churches and the aristocracy, and even some of their husbands. The reason for all of that was due to medieval churches. Those churches gave people the meaning of life mainly just what the churches had pictured their so-called lives to be, and by doing so, the aristocracy could ensure that all people stayed within their social classes through their feudal system, federal system of the government, which 
divided society into three classes, the clergy, the nobility, and the serfs. The feudal system consisted of many people, starting with the king. The top leader in the hierarchy was the king. His job was to control all the land, and if he could, could, if he could not control all the land by himself, he would divide it up among the barons. In return, the barons would pledge their loyalty and their working soldiers to the king. When the king died, his firstborn son would inherit the throne, and when one family stayed in power for too long, this was usually called a dynasty. Next came the bishop. The bishop was the top leader inside the church. Those who worked as the bishop usually managed an area or part of their kingdom called the diocese. The bishop was also very powerful, was a very was a very powerful person besides the king and they had a great influence over some parts of the kingdom these bishops were most of the time very rich since they would also receive a tithe of the of 10% from the people Next came the barons slash nobles. The barons slash nobles were also very high-ranking people, and they were the people who owned large amounts of land. The land and the land was called fiefs, which were usually taken care of by the serfs. And just like the king, they were they were they would also divide their land up but with the lords who ran their individual manners. However, their jobs didn't have to do with their land and their jobs were to maintain an army for the king and if they didn't own any army, they would have to pay a tax called service money. Next came the lords and the knights. The lords ran local manners and would also sometimes split up um, land with the barons. Um, they also worked under the king as his knights and could be called into battle at any time by, the, by their barons. The lords also owned everything on their lands, such as the peasants, the crops, and villages. Lastly came the peasants slash the serfs. A larger portion of the kingdoms usually consisted of serfs during the Middle Ages, and about 90% of them consisted of serfs, which means there weren't a lot of people in power. The serfs also had a rough life working where most died before the age of 30. And some serfs were often considered free which mean they could own their own businesses, and those businesses were usually as carpenters, bakers, and probably blacksmiths. Those who weren't free had the title of being a slave, and they usually owed nothing, owned nothing, and worked under their lords, working at least six days a week with barely any food. The serfs 
would also work in Thebes, which was the land owned by the lords, and usually just planted or harvested food for their owners. As for when it came for the classes specifically for women, the clergy women were restricted to just working in a nunnery. The normal women were dictated by how much land they brought into their marriages because land was equivalent to power during the Middle Ages, so the quality of their lives and the opportunities available could very much depend on the amount of land they owned. As for the serfs, which were the lowest class, had a lot more freedom compared to women, compared to um, the women in the higher social classes. Those women would work in thieves and would usually plant and harvest crops and give the produce to their landowners. Some serfs also worked side by men in the fields or in the medieval guilds as like equals or at least close to being equal. After getting some understanding of how their feudal system works, I'll be talking more specifically about women during that time and the power they had in their own hands, including some of the jobs they could have attained during the Middle Ages. So in the Middle Ages, married women were legally dependent on their husbands, meaning they couldn't independently do what they wanted without permission from their partners. Married women weren't allowed to do such things like sign any legal documents, attend a court trial as, as a witness, or even loan money under their own names without their husband's final word. However, the same rules did not apply for single women. They had the freedom married women wish they had. Though when it came to criminal law, your marital status didn't matter. So when women suffered some form of a punishment, they were considered equal with those women who weren't married. The only time a woman may have gotten some form of special treatment was if, they're, if they were pregnant during the time of their punishment, but in some cases when compared to men in their, in their judicial system, a woman's punishment was always less harsh. Though when it came to being guilty for a capital offense, Women suffered the most brutal and painful types of executions during this era, which was burning to a stake alive. However, for men, there were different levels of punishments regarding the level of seriousness of their crime. The idea behind this laid in the hands of contemporaries who believed that burning to a stake alive was necessary for the preservation of female modesty, when really some Modern historians believe it may have had to do with favoritism towards men during that time period, which I can agree with because men had more power over women most of the time. So when it came to 
came to the power women had, women were able to reach the highest level of authority through politics. There, were, there was the possibility of those types of women to become queens and rule over kingdoms, or regents and rule in the name of a minor child. And whether a woman was a queen or a regent, the power they held didn't really differentiate when compared to a man with the same authority. Their, their equality and power was only because medieval politics were dynastic, meaning in the absence of a legitimate male um, heir, an office could fall into the hands of a woman like a father would to his son in, in the unfortunate events of the king's death. Now, for ordinary women, they could work in marketplaces. Apparently, um, a survey of 100 guilds in Paris in the year of 1300 showed that 86% of women were willing to be accepted in those work fields. Some of these jobs, however, required permission from their husbands so it wasn't impossible for them to get a job. There was also some form of equality in the workforce, surprisingly, knowing the fact women need permission from men to work, but professional female workers were able to train apprentices regardless of women, I mean gender, and it, wa it wasn't seen as odd for women to be training a man. And lastly, religion for women was kind of weird because women were abstinent in some areas of a church, and for other areas, they were active, actively involved. For example, mo monasticism was common for women. Women were able to easily choose to become a nun and even rise up in rank to be able to hopefully command a nunnery of their own one day. But it wasn't possible for women to ever work. Yeah, it wasn't possible for women to ever work under the title of a priest either, so they couldn't work as a secular clergy. So women being a part of running a nunnery was the best way to be able to exert power over others and was also the best choice for women who couldn't reach that level of authority, like if they were to work in politics as a queen or a regent. For my primary source, I'll be reading an espalet, which is a collection of medieval Latin letters to and from women. The letters um, provided on this website are dated from the 4th to the 13th century and are presented in the original Latin as well as like the English translation. The letters are organized by the name and biography of the women writers or the recipients. There's bio biographical sketches of the women 
and descriptions of the subject matter of the letters and historical context of the correspondence um, that's included in the letter. These letters were found by Dr. Joanne Fer Ferrant, who was a professor emerita of English and Comparative Literature of Columbia University, um, where her colleagues collected and translated the letters from mainly printed sources, and she has got her work from the well no she has worked with the columbia center from new media teaching and learning to develop um an unique online collection of printed sources like this for teaching and research purposes and I'm going to be picking one of the letters provided from one of the women and maybe give a little bit of background information of these women and their lives to get a better understanding of where the letters were coming from. I'm going to be reading a letter from Bernard of Clairvaux. It was dated before 1156. Um, it was received by Melissendi of Jerusalem, and it was sent by Bernard of Clarvox, which is in the title of the letter. The letter was translated to say, Men have heard that I have a certain favor with you. And many who are going to Jerusalem ask to be commended by me to your excellence, among whom is this young relative of mine, a youth, they say, forceful in arms, sweet in manners. And I rejoice that he cho choose in this time to fight for God rather than the world. And so do as you are accustomed and let all be well for him for my sake as you have to all my other relatives who are able to know you through me for the rest beware lest desire of the flesh and temporal glory imped your journey to the heavenly kingdom for what good is it to reign on earth for a few days and be deprived of the in internal eternal kingdom of the heavens but i trust in the lord that you will do better and if the testimony offered by my dearest uncle andreas in whom we deeply believe is true you will reign here in, in eternity with god's mercy Give care to pilgrims, the poor, and particularly the enclosed, since God is drawn by such sacrifices. Write to, her, write to us frequently, since it will do you no harm and it will do us good. If we, do, if we know good about you fully and certainly. It says that in historical context, 
Bernard writes to commend a nephew who is coming to fight in Jerusalem to her care, as he has done for other relatives. And he includes a brief moral lesson tempered by the positive report of his uncle, Andreas de Montbernard, master of the crusading order, Melitia Talempi, expressing sympathy on the bad situation of the Holy Land. I find that these letters are interesting because you get a way of seeing kind of like how they used to write back then and how they used to get their messages across to people in other parts of maybe different kingdoms or just like other people who um, they may have been trying to get in contact with. And for the letter that, you know, I read, Bernard, who was a girl, was trying to get in contact with her nephew, who was coming to fight for her care in Jerusalem, which was maybe something that was common back then, but... Yeah, I find it interesting because you kind of get a sense of what it was kind of like for them back then and like how they talk to each other. The main reason for the end of the Middle Ages was the decline of the feudal system and the decline of the church's power over the nation's states. In a feudal system, there were known roles and places that everyone had to fill, with most of the power resting in the hands of the lords instead of just the central government. But when the lords slash nobles lost powers after the crusades, when the Europeans came into contact with the more advanced civilizations of the Byzantine empires and the Muslims, that started and increased the growth of trade, which in turn gave rise to the money system creating middle classes. This created a problem because with the creation of the middle class, it didn't fit with their already existing feudal system and left serfs slash peasants looking for a way to make money by trading. For the middle class, the king granted charters made of a uniform, a uniform law, started banking, offered protection and expanded territory. In return, the middle class, the middle class paid taxes to the king while the money economy while the money economy grew and it caused the feudal lords to be put into an economic squeeze, which left no place for the nobles who were rapidly losing power at the time. As for the army, monarchs replaced feudal soldiers with national armies made up by hired soldiers. 
and the use of long bows and firearms made the feudal methods of fighting also become outdated. Another major factor that contributed to the end of the Middle Ages was the decline of the church's power due to the conflicts between the papacy and the monarchy over political matters, which resulted in people losing faith in their churches. Events like the, the Babylonian cap, captivity and the Great Scheme or Skyme further weakened the church's influence over the people. And aside from that, the people were disgusted at the actions of the corrupt church officials, like for reasons where they would charge the people money for all the church services, and they would also allow the church positions to be bought. And for this reason, people began to question the churches, and because of all of these reasons, it created the downfall of the Middle Ages, creating a new age with new art and a new society.